Bernie was sharing with us about the psychological benefits and the physical benefits of music, the same thing is true when we have a mindset of gratitude and thankfulness. It's critically important. Yes, you can have the old church mindset, well, the Bible says you got to be thankful. Now it becomes a rule, and you know how we work with rules. <laughs> you buck them. You know, you put wet paint on a thingy, and a kid will definitely check. So when you say must or don't, it, there's very little freedom into want to. And I think when we realize all the benefits we have in Christ, it's going to be our attitude responding to the love of God. So this week, some things that made me ponder, and I'm really having fun with this pondering stuff. I thought I'd stop, but I still get hit with new ponderings. And uh, even if it's only on Friday, because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, nothing. It's okay, nothing this week. But here we go. Uh, this was posted on the Hope Fellowship Facebook page by Jen. Apparently, I showed this a long time ago, but this is a good one. There are two types of tired. One is a dire need of sleep. The other is a dire need of peace. And in this culture, with the busyness and stress of the seasons, family crisis, individual crisis, relationship crisis, worries about finances, worries about housing, worry, all the worries we want to come up with, I think this peace is what we need. When we say we need a break, we need a holiday, we can hardly wait to get away, it's actually peace that we're craving because we're getting bombarded. And you have an option. There is a way to find peace, and it actually lives in you already. It's not discovering what you don't have, it's discovering what you do already have. Otherwise, you seek from a place of lack. We don't lack anything. Nothing. Next one. The only one who was qualified to throw a stone didn't. Love that one. This zooms into this whole judging, because in the church world I grew up in, we were professional judgers. Oh yeah, we had degrees. We had stickers and stars for all of our judging. We had a points card for judging. Like, seriously. Cash it in for an upgrade in your seating plan. That you're, no, I'm kidding. I'm just, but, but the point is, we, we're groomed in a system of religion to judge us versus them. Holy and unholy. And you and I have no right. And if we do, guess what? Do you remember the story where um, Peter has that food thing come down from the, in his dream? And a little later, he says, oh man, I learned a lesson. I, I learned, get ready guys, this is mind blowing. I learned that I'm not to call anyone unholy or unclean. Now, when I first read that, because it was pointed out to me, I never caught that on my own. I'm, I wasn't that smart. Um, I heard the story. Yeah, isn't that nice? But the person I was with said, no, 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 no. Read it slower. They had to tell me that two or three times. <laughs> and then the look on my face, <gasps> when I saw that, I said, what does this mean? Shoot, I've been judging and I didn't mean to. I never considered myself a judging person until another level was revealed. It's like, oh my goodness. We have a lot to learn about this Jesus who lives in us. Maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Hmm. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. 
so you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. This comes back to our identity in Christ. <laughs> I, I just love that. Next, the planet doesn't need more successful people. The planet desperately needs more peacemakers, healers, restorers, storytellers, and lovers of all kinds. There's a huge bent in the last number of years on becoming successful, which in the world's terms means a really good reputation, popular, and tons of likes, building a platform. It is, I won't say it. You can, yeah, <clears throat> careful, inside voice. This is more important that we be loving to who we see, who's in front of us, and not trying to use people as stepping stones, being kind to people so that others see us, so that we can rise up to some other thing. Like, it's brutal. You understand what I'm talking about. Do things for people, not because of who they are or what they can do in return, but because of who you are. Now, if you don't know who you are, this could be hard. But the real you is generous and kind, caring, promoting healing. And you may think, not really. Yes, really. If you don't really believe that, that means you don't really know who you are yet, and you're on a beautiful journey of discovery. And I love this from our friend Don Keithley. The reason there is sin and no repentance in the church is because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And the church teaches laws and rules, fear, eternal insecurity, which produces the strength of sin. Change the message from law to grace and watch minds change and lives be transformed. A number of years ago, as I was growing in my understanding of what grace is and legalism, I found out that because I thought, you know, sin, you know, I thought, okay, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to follow law. But do you remember what the scriptures say, what law really is? It's the fertilizer for sin. I thought, that's backwards. That can't possibly say that. Oh, it's blunt. It's super blunt. <laughs> and I know Don Keithley totally knows that. He's an incredible teacher online. Um, but this, if this is new to you, ponder it. And lastly, this one's really good. I should have had this in my forgiveness conference, and I didn't. Um, and I've been looking for this for weeks and weeks and weeks. But maybe this is for somebody today. You may want to forgive your parents for raising you through their own unresolved trauma, not being able to teach you certain skills as nobody taught them. Forgive them for not being able to understand you because they did not have the capacity to. Forgive them for raising you through their own struggles, worries, pains, and fears. Forgive them for doing the best they could with what they knew and had. For following certain cultural norms that they were surrounded with. Forgive them for being emotionally unavailable as their parents were emotionally unavailable. And one that I still have to find is the one that says, forget, if, growing up, you don't realize you probably saw your parents still maturing and growing and becoming wise. Right? We don't realize that. 
We think our parents have arrived and we have these expectations and boy, now that both my parents are gone, I am learning more than ever. Or at least maybe my patience is allowing me to learn more and I'm restoring love from the past that was never given to them or at least my mom because she and I had the hardest time. But I tell you, this is, this is a pretty big deal. I loved it. All right. Let's dig into this. Uh, what time is it? Okay. I'm going to try to end just a few minutes earlier today because the Lutherans go shorter than us. Don't, I, just, I didn't tell you that. So, you know, it doesn't mean you can scoot over there and join them each week. But I'm kidding. Um, but I, I want to kind of have them join us for that barbecue at a, at a good time without going overtime. Giving thanks. This is for your benefit, part three. We ended last week with a, a thought of prayer, and I'm, I'm going to read this part first. Once a man was asked, what did you gain by regularly praying to God? The man replied, nothing. But let me tell you what I lost. Anger, ego, greed, depression, insecurity, and fear of death. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is not gaining, but losing, which ultimately is gain. I can email you these. Don't forget. <laughs> I'm just looking at Chris because she's hilarious. <laughs> I'm serious. It, I'm happy to do it because I now have a different format of how I prepare the PowerPoint so it's easy to convert and then email out. But you got to email me. Don't text me because it won't work because I'll tell you to email me. But just send me an email. I'll, I'll fire these off to you every time. But in Colossians 4.2, related to prayer and thankfulness, I'm going to read from the First Nations version. This came out about a year or two ago. Beautiful translation to the indigenous people uh, here in Canada, um, but I believe in the States as well, so it's, it's quite incredible. The wording will surprise you if it's new to you, but it is beautiful. I don't use just one translation when I share. I think we need to have multiple. Each one shares something unique. So for this one, because we covered this last week, I'm going to do it in the First Nations version. Never give up praying. When you send your voice to the Great Spirit, stay alert and never give up praying and giving thanks. There's the giving thanks. And also the exhortation to keep praying, which does not mean folding your hands, kneeling, closing your eyes constantly. Nobody can do that. It's really bad when you drive, so don't do it when you're driving either. The point is, it's spirit to spirit. This is how we pray in our minds. I give thanks to God, especially on some incredible mornings. Just driving around town or driving into the Waterloo, depending on what time it is and the fog's just lifting, the sun's just coming up. Yeah, I drive that early. Um, although, in, in about a couple of weeks, it's not going to be early at all. It's going to be normally just dark for everybody. But the snapshots that I see and I give thanks to God when the fog's over the Conestogo River. It just, and I can't stop to take pictures because it's on the bridge. It's like, and so no pictures, just enjoy the moment. And I give thanks. I really do. I sometimes say, God, you're really good at this. <laughs> it's, just, it's just beautiful. I love it. It, it does affect you. And then he writes, keep us in your thoughts and prayers also. Ask Creator to open the way for our message to be heard. And that I, would be, that I would clearly make known the mystery of the Chosen One. 
It is for this reason that I have been captured and put into chains. Use great wisdom as you walk among those who are not yet part of the sacred family. I love that line. Use great wisdom. Well, in my upbringing and the system of Western evangelicalism, it's called bulldog, bulldozing through people with your agenda. But here, it says use wisdom, great wisdom. Use gentleness. We don't force God on anybody. In fact, sometimes it's better to shut up and not tell anybody you're a Christian because it's useless. Show them through your actions. You shouldn't have to declare it. I read an incredible article this week by Brad Jerzak, of all people, on claiming to be a Christian. I might post it in the weekly email. I bookmarked it because I want to share that on Easter, but You'll forget by then. So, <laughs> um, but it is really powerful. It has a lens that kind of blew me away. And one of the summaries was, we tend to focus on who I am in Christ, which I love. So I'm going, yeah, 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 of course. And then he went on and said, you know what? It's not about I. Who am I? I, 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 me, ego-focused, I. But who is Christ? So, I have already covered, and if you remember Paul Anderson Walsh, he talked about the different stages of growth. The baby stage, the child level, is who am I in Christ? The young adult stage, this comes from 2 John 1 or 1 John 2, I forget which one now. But there's, there's a journey of maturing in the young adult stages Instead of who am I in Christ, which is I, 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 which is really great when you come from a really religious, shamed background with rules and religion. But when you discover who you are in Christ, it's beautiful, and you need that. But then you must grow up and discover who Christ is in you and how wonderful Jesus is. Who is Jesus? It's not about us. So there's value to both. There really is. But then I think the greatest maturity is our union with God and each other. <laughs> That's another sermon. I'll leave that alone. Use great wisdom. Don't bulldoze and try and let everybody know, I'm a Christian, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to put the sticker on my car, let everybody know I'm a Christian, and then I watch you drive. <laughs> That's why I don't put stickers on my car. <laughs> and It's true. And make full use of every opportunity as you represent our honored chief. Think before you speak and let your words be clear. Then, like salt that brings out the good flavor, you will know how to give each person the right answer. But I have a book I've studied how to share my faith. I, let me flip to page two. You ask that question? What's the response to that question? Here's my answer. And that's what we've been trained in. Is there value to it? Sure, but that's super pablum child level. That really is. You're going to discover it's not about your answers. It's about your loving the other person. That's what our life's about. And it's not about being right. Oh, that's hard for the church. <laughs> it really is, I promise you. They don't teach us that in Bible college. They teach us to be right and give answers and Memorize a theological textbook. I was never good at that. Anyway, 
my marks proved it. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. This was the slide we ended with last week. Always be joyful. Keep on praying. No matter what happens, always be thankful, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, let me give you a very weird way to read that, because my mother was the best example of the weird way to read this. She's passed on, so I can get away with this. She has to forgive me. She sees Jesus better than I do right now. But when she, hey, whoa, thank you. Maybe she is listening. <laughs> hmm, that was good. <laughs> it's still true and funny. My mother got into this joy boy attitude. Um, we grew up Baptist, German Baptist, so it was double strict, German strict, Baptist strict, so it was bad. But the whole point was she loved going to the Pentecostal churches and charismatic groups and was really drawn to that stuff. And so when this verse was brought up, she was supposed to give th- and be happy for bad stuff. She got into a car accident one day, which happened once in a while, and go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thinking that's not what the text means. It was just weird, you know, when bad stuff happened. I have to give praise to the Lord. And thinking, you're weird. And here's why I thought it was weird. I wasn't able to articulate why. There's something about being human. We need to be human in our circumstances too. So it does not mean you have to always have this joy boy plastic smile on your face when the dung hits the fan. Don't do fake happiness and joy. Joy is actually internal. It comes from the peace of Christ. I can be really sad when something terrible happens and grieve. It doesn't mean I put a smile on my face. And people get this wrong at funerals too. And they just put on a smile because they're supposed to look okay to everyone else that's coming and strong and they're trusting in Jesus and yet deep inside they're ripped. But they're not allowed to show that because then they look like a weak Christian. That's baloney. This is talking about always be joyful. This is the joy of the Lord being your strength. Even when the really bad stuff happens, there's still a sense of joy, which becomes our peace in the trauma. And our face may look really bad as we respond to difficult things, but inside we still recognize and are aware of the presence of Christ. That's where the joy and peace comes. And at some point, you may actually have this weird, God's got this joy that hits you, but that's supernatural. It's not the goal. The goal is to be aware of Christ in you. No matter what happens, always be thankful. That's hard to do in these days, because I think it's really hard to be thankful and have a negative attitude. Really hard. Message translation says, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. 1 Thessalonians from the Passion Translation. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Many people ask, what's God's will? What's God's will for my life? Well, I promise you this. It's not the little hidden diamond in a whole white sands beach that's like six miles long. Good luck. Find the diamond. That's my will. Good luck. You know, I might give you a little bit of a map. No. The will of God is Christ in you. That is is the will of God for all of us. So I, I, always, I always know what, people, what the will of God is for people when they ask me. 
I don't know the decisions they need to make, but I know the will of God for them is Jesus. They're not supposed to rely on my answer. They're supposed to rely on Christ in them. Big difference. Did you see the deflection? That's pretty good, eh? <laughs> Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. Passion translation. I love this wording. Be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Be inebriated in the Spirit's fullness. Okay? Inebriated. That's serious communion, if you know what I mean. So this word filled literally means to be controlled by. Isn't that beautiful? Whereas my Pentecostal days, I was led to believe, be filled. Mean I'm empty, or I'm only a quarter full. So I have to run up to the front of the church, fill me Jesus, fill me Jesus. There's a story of one lady doing that week after week after week after week. Some of you have heard this. But then she's praying, fill me Jesus. And finally one of the deacons at the back yells out, don't do it, Lord, she leaks. (laughs) Anyway, bad joke. You don't leak. You have the fullness of Christ in you now. Now let it control you. That's a whole different journey of maturing. And your hearts will overflow with joyful song to the Lord Jehovah. And Lori's music this morning, even those, that list we had, like, this is all tying together in a weird way. It's really cool. Always give thanks to the Father God for every person, all things, all people, even the ones you can't stand. He brings into your life in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 1, where it talks about the maturing process, it, at the very end of, uh, I think it's 12, verse 12 or 13, it talks about, and then you will come to have a genuine love for other believers. Well, isn't that lovely? Yes, I love all my fellow believers. But keep reading. You'll also come to have a genuine love for everyone. To me, that is the mark of maturity of a believer. The ultimate Love wins. The message in the gospel is so simple. It can be summed up like that. It's love. That's it. Hebrews 12. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. Listen carefully. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. God is a consuming fire. We've been led to believe that um, fire is a negative word in the scriptures because it's always been associated with torture. Well, what if that's not what the early church saw or understood it as? What if it truly was purifying? What if God is purifying things in your life and my life, which he is? Burning away things that were never meant to be there. The wood, hand stubble. <laughs> that is a beautiful image of God's grace in our lives. We should welcome that. Philippians 4 in the Passion Translation. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated 
in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God. Pause there. Oh, wait a minute. Um, For God, with overflowing gratitude. But pause on that word, um, uh, faith-filled. See, the word faith, if you remember Galatians 2.20, I live by faith in the Son of God. Remember that one? Okay. Um, Most translations will say, I live by faith in the Son of God, which implies your faith. But the original languages do not say that. The King James Bible gets it right. Most others get it wrong. The Passion Translation gets it right because they've had to research and go back to the Aramaic. But the wording in the Young's literal translation for that verse says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Nope, that's that's King James. I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Young's literal translation says, I live by Son of God faith. All of our faith is a gift. We can't muster it up. We can't ask for more faith per se because Jesus is our faith. It can grow. But it's not a thing we lack and need to find. That's the problem. We keep having lack preached at us. Here at Hope Fellowship, you're going to hear what you have, that you are complete, you are loved. Everything you need is already in you. And oh, the journey of discovery is so much fun. Philippians 4 in the First Nations translation says, Do not let your hearts be weighed down with anything. Instead, with every step you take, send your voice to the Great Spirit, asking him for the things you need. And in all your prayers, remember to give thanks. Then the peace and harmony of the Great Spirit, which goes far beyond our small and weak ways of thinking, will watch over your hearts and minds through the chosen one, creator sets free, Jesus. It's all there. Jesus is in charge of your peace, your joy, even your thankfulness, even your desire to even want to become thankful. It's all Jesus. What do I do? Respond. That's it. You're response-able. What's my responsibility? We always say the meaning, what do I got to do? No, it's your ability to respond. How will you respond? And when you believe it's true, you respond very differently. If you believe you lack it, then you'll respond another way. Are you hearing that? 1 Timothy 2.1, the New Living Translation says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. How many people do you not want to pray for? I got a good list. (laughs) But as I vent, I then come to a place to authentically pray for them. It doesn't come quickly. But who's another great example of that? David. As he vents through the Psalms. But by the time he's done, yet I will praise the Lord. That's where a lot of psalms end. Take off their heads, Lord. They're coming after me. Oh, wipe out their families. Blah, blah, blah. I'm mad. I'm scared. They've been unfair to me. And then blah, blah, blah. Filter, filter. Okay. Yet I will praise you. (laughs) Talk about authenticity. We're allowed to be honest and transparent. You can't tick off God. 
You can't make him angry. Do you know what he gets angry at? Not you and me. He gets angry at things that harm us. That's a whole different sermon. I don't have time to get into it. But that's a summary that is worth pondering if you've never pondered that. Luke 17, 1 to 19. I'm not going to read all of it. But there's a lesson we can learn from the, from the lepers. As Jesus continued towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance because they're supposed to, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and their leprosy disappeared. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God, I'm healed. He fell face down on the ground in Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Go figure. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Does, this, does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Did the faith happen at that moment Jesus said it? No. The faith happened when they went because they obeyed. All of them got healed. But one came back with great thankfulness. Remember, he was also the most ostracized. The most hurt people tend to be the most gentle and the most thankful. The ones who've had great difficulties in their lives tend to have greater empathy and compassion. Only the thankful man, however, learned that faith played a role in his healing, and only grateful Christians grow in understanding God's grace. God does not demand that his people thank him, but is pleased when they do so, and he uses their responsiveness to teach them more about himself. I love that. It's not a law where you have to give thanks. All the scriptures we just read are not laws. None of them were laws. There are commandments, and what are commandments? Are they the same thing as laws? No, they're not. Laws, if you break one, there's a punitive reaction. There's a problem. But commands are there for your benefit. Your benefit. <laughs> I want to reap the benefits. Take time today to be thankful. Oh, shoot. Take time to be thankful for a good Savior, what your, Jesus has done for you. Be thankful that you are still discovering the mystery of your union. Oh, by the way, I didn't know my union oneness with Christ until about 20 years ago. And I've been a pastor for 32 years. That's embarrassing. Be thankful for all you have taken for granted. There's a long list. And be thankful for those who are in your life, shaping you, loving you, participating life with you. There's your whole week, all your extra spare time taken up. <laughs> if you needed a spark, there's a good one. Let's give thanks. Heavenly Father, today I pray that you open our eyes to see what we can't quite see. For those who you have prepared 
and are ready to go deeper in their understanding of how much you love them and deeper in their understanding that you truly are love itself, draw them in gently, wow them, encourage them, and may their lives be lived in response to your love for them, and may they be more and more loving as they live life day to day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.